Welcome to the Seminole Wars. In this podcast, we explore how the Seminole Wars came to be, how they were fought, and how they still resonate some two centuries later. I am your host, Patrick Swan, and our show is a production of the Seminole Wars Foundation, found online at www.seminolewars.us. We are recording today from the homestead of the Foundation in Bushnell, Florida. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome. In the spring of 1836, U.S. Army Major General Winfield Scott unleashed his three-pronged campaign to subdue the Seminole, end the war, and ship the defiant tribesmen to the Oklahoma Territory. The task of erecting a blockhouse and pickets for defense and observation fell to Georgia Volunteer Major Mark Anthony Cooper. He built his namesake fortification in the cove of the Withlacoochee River. The square palisade fort included two redoubts and a two-story blockhouse with a six-pounder cannon mounted on it. The post was used as an observation and dispatch site, a horse depot, a scouting post, a makeshift infirmary, a watering hole, and a safe spot from which Cooper's militiamen could venture outside the main gate to repulse the Seminole siege. Under constant attack for more than two weeks, Major Cooper's command held its defensive position. It turned out to be the longest single continual battle of Scott's 1836 campaign. On March 12th and 13th, Fort Cooper State Park holds its annual Fort Cooper Days to commemorate this engagement. The long siege is condensed into a battle spectacle demonstrated twice each day. Living historians, militia and Seminole, demonstrate their wares and crafts and costumed attires. The park is located near Inverness, Florida. Joining us to recount a bit of the battle and how the park is commemorating it is Jeannie Messersmith. Jeannie is the treasurer for the Friends of Fort Cooper. The Friends is a citizen support organization that aids the park rangers in carrying out their mission in presenting the park in a family-friendly setting with historical accuracy. Jeannie Messersmith, welcome to the Seminole Wars. You're welcome. Jean, just what are Fort Cooper Days? Fort Cooper days are a reenactment of what happened in 1836, almost at the exact time of the year. Last two years, we have not been able to hold it because of the COVID pandemic. So we are really excited about being able to hold it this year and inviting our folks to come and see it. Fort Cooper days depict a historical battle of the Second Seminole War. The stage was set for this because of actions back in Washington from President Andrew Jackson, who had some history, let's say, with the Seminole. Andrew Jackson as president, his Congress did something called the Indian Removal Act. And I think Andrew Jackson had quite a heritage here in Florida before he became president. So he knew the land pretty well. He decided that this was valuable land and that we needed to civilize this area. So Congress passed the Indian Removal Act and succeeded in having volunteers, militia come down and drive the Indians out, the Seminoles and the various tribes. Who were these inhabitants called the Seminole? 
the Seminoles, of course, were a very peace-loving group of Indians, Native Americans, and they were made up of several tribes. And they were cattlemen and farmers, largely. They lived in cabins, wood cabins. They lived in chicky huts, and they were very peaceful and very much an agrarian civilization. And all of a sudden, they start getting threatened by people coming to take their land. They decided to put up a fight, and they did very well. The Seminole War, the first Seminole War, and now the second Seminole War, are the results of that, that they were putting up fights against what militia were trying to come and get their land. Fort Cooper's part of the story comes when General Winfield Scott set out a three-pronged attack to subdue and then evict the Seminole from Florida. Part of that was setting up Fort Cooper in what's called the Cove of the Withlacoochee River. In 1836, Major Cooper would come and build this fort to be a way station for the sick and the wounded of the Second Seminole War, of what was happening at Dade and the other forts around here. And what I found intriguing, and, and I didn't even know this, the forts are located a day's walk, a day's hike for these different military troops. So when you see so many forts around this area, they were located within a day's walk of each other, which I thought was pretty intriguing. So what happened was then Major Cooper then built this makeshift fort, and it was quite a large fort, and used the pine trees of the area and built it. And then all of a sudden, the Indians here that lived here, the Seminoles and their tribes, got wind of this. And they said, no, no, <clears throat> we're not going to let this happen. And they defended their cove of the Withlacoochee. For 16 days, Major Cooper survived, and it was just a skirmish after skirmish. The Indians would use the territory and vegetation to their advantage, and of course the militia knew only how to fight with straight line, shoot your muskets, and then come back, fall back. The Seminoles would be behind trees, and they'd be behind vegetation, and they'd come out and take pot shots. For 16 days, Major Cooper and his men, there were over 300 of them, I think, defended that fort. Lost one man only, had several wounded, with only about, a say, a couple or two of grain left in their larders and their supplies, and then they were relieved with another battalion coming to help them. This is the story, the reenactment. Jeannie, so where's the fort? You'll see that we don't have a fort here because the actual archaeological digs say that the area that we have the battle on right now really was the whole fort site. I mean, it was surrounded by four walls. So we would not be able to do the reenactment if the actual fort was built, like in other areas of the state where they erected the forts. We would just lose a whole lot of area, almost a football stadium-sized area. We just have one wall. Is Believe it or not, it's going to be replaced because it's starting to crumble now. We try to show our visitors what that wall must have looked like. So we have militiamen that come down and volunteer, and we also have Seminoles derived from those different tribes. They come down and volunteer too. So it's really a good, good way of learning about the heritage. What type of archaeological survey was done so that you actually know where your wall for the fort was put up? After John Eden gave it to or uh, acquired or however they got a hold of it, the state park system got it, they did do an archaeological study. And it's in the Archaeological Institute in Crystal River. So they do have the whole file on it. So if somebody was really wanting to know more about it, they could go over to that Institute Archaeological Institute in Crystal River and find out more information. They were able to find out where the posts were, where the borders of the fort were. So it is an actual site. How did the state acquire the property from which we presently call Fort Cooper? 
very well-known family here in Inverness named John and Betty Eden Jr. They had ancestral property, and in 1970, the Florida Parks acquired that property from Betty and John Eden Jr. John and his family really were the first volunteers then. After that, we had the park open, and that came in in 1977, so 45 years ago that Fort Cooper State Park officially opened. It really was a gift of Betty and John There's been lots of ups and downs, of course, depending on volunteers and depending on leadership. How important are volunteers to a park such as Fort Cooper? Oh, gosh, they're critical. Um, They provide leadership first. You have to have some people that are key leaders that will say, yeah, I know I'm busy, but I can always put one more thing on my plate. We have some key leaders, our president and our secretary, vice president, all of those bring the volunteers together. We have about, oh, maybe 25 to 30 volunteers that are active that can pull this off. So we have people that are working in the front office as people come in to visit. They collect the fee towards the for Cooper Days. It's $8 for people that are 13 years and over. Anybody that's under 12 are free. So we have volunteers at the front office. We have people that are parking people in the parking areas. Then we've got folks up at the fort site that are helping to put the actual battle on, the reenactment. We have a huge group, a really neat group of living historians. So we have volunteers that help them get settled. We have a couple of trappers that are here. We have a cattle puncher, and we've got trading posts. We've got spinners, a coopersmith, who coopers, he does the metal work around baskets at the time. Lots of neat living historians so that our visitors can come and sit and talk with them or stand and talk with them. Our volunteers are critical. And then what we do with these reenactors, they're all volunteers, so we feed them. So we have a whole volunteer group that helps feed the reenactors that come in on Friday night. They eat Saturday breakfast, Saturday lunch, Saturday dinner, and then Sunday morning breakfast and lunch. So that uh, provide them food. We provide them camping facilities, of course. Um, pretty primitive. We don't have electrical hookups or, or water hookups or anything. So it's kind of, they're actually camping out. <laughs> so it's fun. Gina, I understand you too have the living history bug. I have. I have. But honestly, I feel guilty because I don't have the heritage. I can dress up in a some little costume, and they're very colorful for women, and they're kind of flouncy. And I did that once or twice, but I felt guilty afterwards because I really am not of Indian heritage. So if anybody out there would love to do that, I will give them a costume and a wig and everything, and they can certainly interpret <laughs> I'd rather be behind the scenes, just helping other people really enjoy the history and the heritage. A couple of times I did stories by the firelight down by the lake. We had a fire pit and we did some old Indian tales down by the fire. And that's right now I just, just be in the background. So Saturday, March 12th and Sunday, March 13th. What are your hours? It's 9 to 4, and we have two reenactments. One is at 11 o'clock, and one is 2 o'clock. And at 12.30, we have a very nice presentation this year by a man named Jimmy Sawgrass, and he's a well-known speaker and a well-known Native American here in Florida. He's known as Sawgrass, and he's going to be giving a presentation to our visitors down by the lake. You will have a public address system, and people can bring their own lawn chairs if they'd like and sit and listen. He will give you some heritage of the Cove 
with Uji and for Seminole history. So that will happen. Then people can stroll up to the fort site. It's only about a mile, nice, easy paved trail going up to the fort site. It is part of the way, almost the whole way is handicapped accessible. So if somebody has a wheelchair, it's pretty good most of the way. There's a kind of a packed trail the rest of the way, and I think a, a wheelchair could get up there. We also have four-wheelers here from the park rangers that if somebody needed some help getting up to the fort site, all they need to do is flag down a ranger. We'll make that happen. You can get up to the fort site, then come on back down, visit with our living historians, and really enjoy. It's been such beautiful weather. I think we'll really enjoy the whole area. Families are going to get hungry. What have you got for families? Yep. <laughs> is one of their major fundraisers. So our local Boy Scout troop will be doing hamburgers and sausages, drinks, and then the Friends of Fort Cooper will also have ice cream novelties, ice cream. They'll also have sodas, water available. We hope that people will come and help the Boy Scouts earn their money for their summer trips and summer camping. Picnic tables are right alongside. You mentioned hiking. Tell us about the Seminole Trail there. The Seminole Trail, called the Seminole Heritage Trail, it's made up of four kiosks, and they were fundraised by volunteers that were friends of Fort Cooper probably, I'd say, 12 years ago or so. It was before I came down here. What they did was fundraise so that people, when they came to the park, would know what the park stood for. So there are four kiosks, and they're about, oh gosh, I would maybe say a couple blocks between each other, and all along this paved trail up to the fort site. You stop at each of the kiosks and get a sense of the story. They're very good. They also show you the costumes of the day, the tools with which residents used at the time, and it also gives you some history of the Second Seminole. So they're very nice, very good. And we also have an old trail here, too, that's still in existence called the Old Military Road, and that's still in existence today. You can walk on that. It's just a mile. It's a paved trail. It starts over on our first parking lot is the first kiosk. So you would go to parking lot one and follow the trail in towards the lake. There's a kiosk right there. And then you would go down towards the fort trail and go up towards the trail. And that's the second, third, and fourth. So it's a nice, easy walk. The vegetation's beautiful. The oak trees are just spectacular. They're kind of scary. They're so cool. I love the oak trees down here. Followers of our podcast will recognize the Withlacoochee River as being a part of the Second Seminole War. Tell us about that and this park. Well, the Withlacoochee River is a natural boundary for this county. So we are in the cove of Withlacoochee. We are a natural spring-fed lake. And so as the Withlacoochee gets higher and higher, then our lake levels get higher too. So we were in the cove of the Withlacoochee, the river that is the eastern boundary of this county. We're located in Inverness. It's just a driving distance, about 45 minutes from Ocala, probably maybe an hour and a half from Tampa. We're north. We're in the Nature Coast, which is called this north-central area of Florida. We're about a 40-minute drive from what beaches we have here in Citrus County, Fort Island Beach. We're about 40 minutes away from the coast and for kayaking and manatee watching and everything. So we are really in the heart of Citrus County, and the park is about 775 acres with a lake called Lake Holathlakaha is the seminal name. It's also called Fort Cooper Lake. We're right in Inverness, and that's our address, 3100 South Old Floral City Road. We would be located on the old road going into Floral City for Highway 41. Where online can you go to find out more? 
The Friends of Fort Cooper have their own website, and that's www.friendsoffortcooper.com. So it's all one long word, thefriendsoffortcooper.com. That has some history on it, and you can Google it, certainly, and you could come visit the park. So there's lots of sources to it. You could also go to our downtown museum. We have a wonderful museum downtown Inverness, and they actually have the costs of the Seminoles, and they have history of that early time, too. So that would be a good source. The Old Courthouse Museum in downtown Inverness, wonderful wonderful little museum just a gem there too lots to see <laughs> how did you get involved with the friends of fort cooper and the state park first of all we live real nearby i'm five minutes away we live uh, not far from there i got to know about it and visited and it was just a gem of a park and i became enthralled with the palms of course i'm from minnesota so that is very foreign to me I was also fascinated with the history. Who are the Seminoles? I knew the Seminoles. I remember the sports reference, but I didn't remember who the Seminoles were. I was intrigued with that and also what the story was having to do with this particular part of Citrus County. You know, how come? How come it was such an important part of our history? Jean, you are treasurer for the Friends of Fort Cooper. The Friends are a citizens support organization. What is a CSO and what do the Friends of Fort Cooper do? formal terms, it's registered with Florida State Park System, and it's called a Citizen Support Organization. And as such, its goal is to provide resource-based recreation, and we also try to preserve and interpret the natural and cultural resources of this particular state park. In other words, trying to preserve it for future generations of our citizens, of our children, and our people that come after us. I'm the treasurer. I've been probably with the CSO, with the Friends of Fort Cooper, for about seven years now. The Friends of Fort Cooper was founded and incorporated in 1989. How did the CSOs and the park rangers differ? Park rangers are more involved with, let's say, running and operating the park and also making sure that visitors are safe, roads are kept up. That's also the Withlacoochee Bike Trail. The park is also in charge of that, Fort Cooper State Park. They are more hands-on with the park. What we do as a friends organization is we are the friends of, we are the support organization. So many times if they say, we don't have money for a new motor for our tractor, or we just had a flat tire, they'll come to the friends group and we fundraise for those things that are supportive to the park that they may not be able to afford. Sometimes the budgets get tight for the state. So that's our role is to try and supplement their budget if we can. And we also support them by volunteering hours to clear trails. We have work days once a week, Tuesday mornings, and whatever they need done, we try to do it for them. They give us our role to do every Tuesday morning. And we, it's fun. It's fun to come out and be among all the palm trees and everything, all the lovely... And the birds are wonderful too there. So <laughs> I could go on and on. So anyway, come and visit. <laughs> We're called an honor park. In other words, we don't have the staffing to be able to have someone at the entrance. So when you come into the park, a $3 entrance fee for your car. So you can have as many people as you want in that car. And then you stop at the front gate and you fill out an envelope. You put your $3 in and you take a little tag off that goes on your, your front visor. The biggest thing is to honor that. And sure, it'd be easy for somebody to just come in and drive in and just do their own thing without providing admission. But we ask that people do that. That is an honor system. And we park relies on your donations. The biggest thing is to come and volunteer and enjoy. You can be a member of the Friends of Fork 
Harper as a regular member, it's $5, $5 a year. Or you could be a park volunteer. There are background checks required for park volunteers because you interact with the public. That's with a, a park volunteer. We don't win background with the CSO. There is a volunteer system that you have to go through with the, the park, certain applications of the park. Besides volunteering, one can get an annual pass that will let you into the park at any time, other than these special events. You go up to the park office. Usually the park office does have a ranger on during the day, Monday through Friday, from 9 till about 1. Or, and so you would go there and pay for a park pass. I believe it's $65. That's for Florida Park. And that gets you into not only Fort Cooper State Park, but other parks. I would say not to do it during Fort Cooper Days because it's large uh, volunteers that are in the park office. The rangers are down with people. You know, they're down making sure people are safe. And also driving those four-wheelers if we need fair people around the park. So I would say any time after Fort Cooper Days would be time and stop in. You can always call the park and make an arrangements to say, hey, I'm going to be coming in. Is there going to be someone on duty? You've also set up a program in conjunction with Fort Cooper Days with the students at the local schools. Well, one of the things that we're kind of intrigued with this year, and we had an article in the paper challenging our students in Citrus County, the middle school students and the high schools, to come to Fort Cooper Days as a special assignment. In other words, an extra credit assignment. The superintendent's office, the county's office, has put their support behind this, too, because it really does provide a way of children being able to observe interview, see what the whole history of it is. Fourth graders study state history here, so it would be a great thing for fourth graders to come. We do have living history days here once a year, but because of COVID, the last two or three years, we haven't been able to have it. So in place of that, we're challenging the students in Citrus County with their instructors, with their teachers, to do some type of an extra credit assignment and come to Fort Cooper Days, meet a reenactor, interview them, learn why they do this. How do you become a reenactor? Take a look at what their costumes are. Maybe draw a picture and we'll put it on the bulletin boards here. We'd love to have that. And it's a way of them also, I think, fulfilling the goals of the system too, the school system of observing, being able to interpret, being able to creatively write what they and summarize their thoughts about Fort Cooper Days. Were they in, in agreement with it? Um, did they like what they saw of white men coming to drive the Indians out? What does that mean in today's terms? Very real right now, as you well know, with Ukraine. So how does that feel? How would you feel if you were a Seminole and you were just peaceably living here and somebody came and took over your land? That's what we're challenging us to maybe live through. And I guess that's a special flavor this year because we haven't had living history for a couple of years. Jeannie Messersmith, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us for The Seminole Wars. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime, please. I hope we see everybody there. If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to like us on Facebook at Seminole Wars Foundation. Leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Your reviews and comments help new listeners discover us and help us keep this show going. Visit our website at www.seminolewars.us for blogs, articles, news, books, events, membership information, and how to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the Seminole Wars Podcast. 
The Seminole Wars Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to preservation, education, and publication of Seminole Wars history throughout the state of Florida. This podcast is copyrighted. The Seminole Wars Foundation, 2022. All rights reserved. Front bumper music, The Devil's Garden. Roast em, provided by kind permission of Rita Youngman. Back bumper music, Second Seminole Win, by Jed Merrim and Ricky Pittman, courtesy of Ricky Pittman. All rights reserved.